hundred years. Take me back when I was a kid. Never had to worry about what I did. But I'm a man now. What's the plan now? Gotta get it done. No time for fun now. Take me back when I was a kid. Never had to worry about what I did. But I'm a man now. What's the plan now? Gotta move on. Those Who the f is Mike Young? Would like to thank our incredible sponsor, Blue Team. Ain't nothing funny about a commercial disaster or renovation project. Blue Team handles all aspects of construction, roofing, and disaster recovery for commercial property owners and operators throughout the U.S. No company comes even close to Blue Team. Blue Team handles the projects from start to finish so our clients can focus on running their business, and that is no joke. Call the experts at Blue Team at 855 522 2583. Blue team. Anywhere, anytime. I'm a millionaire. I'm a young money millionaire. Tougher than Nigerian hair. My criteria compared to your career just isn't fair. I'm a venereal disease like a menstrual bleed through the pencil ending on the sheet of a tablet in my mind because I don't write. I ain't got time for my seconds, minutes. I was go to the almighty dollar and the almighty chopper of the chit chit chip top of sister, mother, son, father, daughter, motherfucker, kappa, tell that kappa's I ain't got. Yo, what up? I know, I know, I know. You started with rap, Mike. Why are you starting your podcast off imitating Lil Wayne's rap? I'll tell you why. This is Who the F is Mike Young. Mike Young is a comedian, writer, director, content provider, entertainer, performer. But young Mike was a rapper. Young Mike had a record deal. Young Mike did shows at the House of Blues as a rapper before he was a comedian. Young Mike has got gangster tendencies. Young Mike will make a phone call and screw up everything for you. Young Mike recorded hip-hop songs on 7 Mile. So I wanted to do this podcast because people... Check it out. I did a song called Take Me Back. Joe Rogan played it on his podcast and was like, Yo, this is you? This is like my favorite. I love this song. And he loved my song. And so it made me think like... He didn't know that back in the day I won an amateur Grammy award and I did a contest back in the day and I wanted to be a rapper and I thought I was really going to be a rapper and I had a record deal in Detroit and it just didn't go right. It just, I didn't have a manager. I didn't have a mentor. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I just had the ability to rap and write songs and I just loved it more than anything. And I just, you know, if you read the book, if you read the book uh, Tipping Point, I think it's Tipping Point or uh, Outliers. They always say like a lot of the a lot of the hockey players that they studied these kids, they grew up in a certain area. They were a certain age. They played in a certain league, and you got seen by certain people. Well, before Eminem, like right before Eminem, and maybe I just wasn't that dope. But right before that. You weren't really getting seen, and I didn't. I didn't have any connections in New York or LA. I was just a kid from Southfield who loved hip hop, who was good at it, and fell in love with it. And so I thought today, I'm just going to tell you my, about my rap career. And the sh- podcast will probably be as long as my rap career. 
which was like 27 minutes. But I fell in love with hip hop back in the day. I fell in love with Run DMC, Tribe Called Quest, De La Soul, Cool G Rap, Special Ed, Slick Rick, Dougie Fresh, um, Big Daddy Kane, Jay Z in his early days. Um, I mean, I was just all in on hip hop. I was I was rapping Planet Rock shit, rock rock to the Planet Rock, don't stop. I mean, I was that. I'm from that era. When I was a little baby boy, my mama gave me a brand new toy. Two turntables with a mic, and I learned to rock like a dolomite. Time went by in the God's creation. I knew someday I would rock the nation, so I made up my mind just what to do. And I joined with the jam on production crew. I go crazy. I go crazy. Don't let your body be lazy. I said, don't stop the body rock when your eyes are starting to get hazy. So clean out your ears and you open your eyes. If you want to hear the music, just come alive. If you don't know how, get ready to learn. Cosmo's taking his turn to burn You understand where I'm coming from? I'm old school I'm, I'm Jay-Z's age And that's the stuff I grew up on And I fell deeply in love with it To the point where I started making demo tapes I got with a DJ, DJ Bam, Brad Callen Who actually did have some connections Because his mom is Jackie Callen Jackie Callen was a manager The first female manager of a professional Of a championship boxer She managed James Lights Out Tony back in the day So she did help us out And she was connected But everything's got to come into place If you've got deep passion for hip hop And you really want to do it And I didn't have I didn't have the the real team behind me or with me we tried and we gave it a great shot we won contests and we did our thing but always in the back of my mind I was a comedian and a writer and I was just always about performing and I'm gonna bring I'm gonna bring hip-hop back onto my stage show 100% I'm gonna bring it on because but it just has to be organic I don't want to do do it just to impress the crowd I have to do it where it's part of my bit and I, you know, and, and I let it go. But so cut to cut back to back in the day. I'm about to move to L.A. to be a comedian. But I have this demo tape and it's got like three songs on it. It's got uh, Take Me Back, a song where I sampled Frankie Valley. I just stole the sample and did it. It's got a couple other songs. One's called Twice in the Morning about having sex twice in the morning with your girl. I don't even know where I got that idea. But I do, I do know where I got the idea But I had graduated college I kind of didn't know what I wanted to do Other than I wanted to be a comedian and a writer And some kind of performer But I loved hip hop So I moved back to Detroit after college for a while I recorded this demo I didn't do any live shows yet I just had this tape And so I had the tape I gave it to Brad Callen And I just went about my life thinking, okay, whatever happens with this happens. I recorded a couple songs down um, right. I was down on Seven Mile. I was down to my man G, G Street, they called him. I don't know where he is. His name was Garrett. Shout out to Garrett if you're ever around listening. I know you had a, uh, it was a, uh, I know there was a song called Black Street, but I feel like he had a group called Black Street. And he was super cool. We were down in the hood. I was definitely the only white boy down there recording, and I was loving life. It was a little nerve-wracking because they were definitely on some hood shit, and shit was going down. There was guns around. There was drugs around. They got robbed a couple times at the studio, and 
but I was just in love with the life and rhyming and I would sit up in my room with a dictionary the rhyming dictionary and I would write songs and so I make this demo tape and I just think nothing of it I move to Los Angeles I'm going to be a comedian uh, I get to LA I, I go to the comedy store just to hang out I don't know anyone I don't meet anybody I don't sign up to go on stage yet but one night at the comedy store I see Damon Wayans performing and this sounds crazy, but a warmth came over me, like this peaceful feeling came over me to where I said to myself, that's it. This is what I'm going to do. This guy who's famous and making a great living, that's the style of comedy that I want to do. He tells stories, plays characters, does his voices, and always has amazing punchlines and visuals. And his cadence was so cool that I, I just felt like I matched his energy type. And so this warmth came over me and, and basically this, something hit me and I just said, that's it. I'm done. I'm going to be a comedian, make it, break it, rich, poor, whatever. I'm just going to be able to make a living doing stand-up comedy because I just saw this guy who reminds me of what I want to be and that was it. So I start doing open mics and I'm, you know, I'm kind of getting a little attention early because I'm, I'm naturally good, but I don't have much of an act. So I'm getting people like, rest his soul Freddie Soto back at the comedy store and he's like man you're really funny where are you from and you know like old school dude and this is before I even met Sebastian or Brett Ernst or Butch Bradley or Tony Rock or any of Sam Tripoli or any of my crew and so I'm I'm in LA I'm in LA for about a year and a half two years I'm on the stand-up grind I'm doing open mics everywhere I'm starting to get a little notice I'm getting people are talking somebody wants to manage me I get a phone call I get a phone call from Brad Callen, and he says, yo, I entered that tape, that cassette tape that we did, that you rapped on and I DJ'd, and we won the, we won the Midwest, we're in the, we're in the contest, and we won. Our tape has been accepted, we have to, if you want to come home, we're going to do a live performance at this place called Jukebox. Jukebox was a, a, a nightclub slash bar that I had already been thrown out of for threatening the owner after getting into a fist fight outside of it and beating up a guy in a suit and going to jail. That's another story, but I'll tell that later. But I was a little hesitant because the owner had told somebody that I was never allowed back in his place, so I had to patch it up. And my uncle knew the owner, so I patched it up early. And I said, I'm coming back there just to do a show. I'm so sorry, blah, 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 blah. I'll never start a fight. I didn't start the fight anyway, by the way, but I'll never get in a fight in your bar again. So we go back. My boy's like, yo, you got to come home for this contest. So I go back home. I'm like, I'm going to go home for a week and I'll just, we'll rehearse in my mom's house. It's a three song contest. We're in the Midwest, North American Rec or National Academy of Recording Arts and Science, which is really the Grammys. But it's an amateur version contest. Whatever it is, we're in a contest with all these bands from the Midwest. We're the only rap group. Everyone else is like a real band. And there was bands that like went on to be real bands. So we're in this contest and we're performing at this place called Jukebox. So we call everyone we know. We pack the house. You got to do two original songs and two cover songs. So I knew all the lyrics to OPP and I knew all the lyrics to... Uh, Lottie Dottie, Slick Rick. So I did OPP. So let me rewind a little bit. So we packed the house. 
And you know, when you're a Jew from Detroit, you, you're calling your people. So my cousins are there. My mom is there. My whole crew is there. All my friends, everyone that ever attended my bar mitzvah was there. Brad had all his people there. His mom, Jackie Callen, had all her people there. We had an awesome mix of diversity. Arab, black, Jewish, Christian, punk rock, rock and roll. All our people showed up. And we killed it. So I opened with OPP. And I still remember the lyrics. OPP, how can I explain it? I take it frame by frame it. You have you all jumping, shouting, saying it. Oh, it's for others. P is for people scratching temple. The last P, well, that's not that simple, no. It's sort of like a well, another way to call a cat a kitten. There's five little letters that are missing, yeah. You get it on occasion if the other party isn't gaming. Seems I better start the explaining. Bust it. You ever had a girl that met her on a nice hello? You get her name and number, then you're feeling real low? Is it? So, anyway, you know I still know it 20 years later. So we do this contest and we blow up Jukebox. Now, unbeknownst to me or anybody, there's like the people there from the contest. So you don't know. We don't, we just know we blew it up. We rocked it. Good job, Mike. Love you. Love you. Great. That was so much fun. If anything comes to this, let me know. I got to go back to LA and get back to comedy. I go back to LA and in LA, I'm starting to get a little traction in comedy, but I also. I also have a f- had made a friend who who ran who had a band called Doc's House Mob, an eight-piece funk band, and they were looking for a rapper. So I get back to LA and I join Doc's House Mob while also doing comedy. So I'm a comedian and a rapper, but you know, there's nobody to tell me in the entertainment business you need to pick one thing and be one thing. I didn't have I'm a wild I was just a wild card. I didn't have one thing I just was an entertainer and that's just I love both things so I joined Doc's House Mob and before I know it in LA I'm performing at the House of Blues a giant amazing greatest venue and I'm rapping for Doc's Doc's House Mob so now I'm more rapper than I am comedian so I'm in LA and five months go by six months go by and I'm every Sunday I'm at the comedy store but I'm also rehearsing and rapping and you know, I'm starting like a little rap career. So I don't know what's going to happen. Am I going to be a rapper first? My rap career is going better than my comedy. I can tell you that. So I'm rapping in LA. I get a phone call. Yo, we won the Midwest version of the contest. Now you have to come home and do the finals of this contest at this place called industry that holds like 2000 people. So now I'm super excited. By the way, let it be known. There's no money offered. There's not a dollar involved. I'm broke as can be. I'm not even thinking about money. I could care less. In my mind, I am the man. I just won the Grammy contest. In my heart, I feel like I won a Grammy, and I got to go back to Detroit because I'm a rapper. So I move. I leave Los Angeles. I pack all my stuff, and I'm moving home to be a rapper. I go home. We play industry. We get back to industry. We pack the house. There's 2,000 people at industry because it's a band night. It's us, two other bands. One of the bands was super popular, so half the crowd was theirs. We go. We play the narrowest competition for the Midwest Amateur Grammys. We rock it. We blow it up. It's the greatest night ever, and we win the contest. Now we have a record deal coming. 
oh shit, my life's about to change. I'm about to be the biggest rapper on the planet. My dreams are coming true. I'm going to get to meet Dougie Fresh. I'm going to get to meet Slick Rick. I'm going to get to meet Big Daddy Kane, Cool G, Jay-Z. I'm, I'm going to meet I'm going to meet Nas. I'm gonna, I mean, I'm, I'm with them. I'm with them. We signed to a record label that Tommy Hearns is friends with the owner. Tommy Hearns was, you know, six-time world champion out of Detroit. Tommy was a fan of ours, became a friend of ours. Obviously, he's the legend in Detroit. He connected us to a record deal. We're about to sign a deal. That's right, man. I'm about to get a record out. I'm going to name the group TKO. I'm not naming it Young Mike because I'm too stupid. But I named the group TKO. It's me, Brad, and we bring on a singer, Michelle Rott, with a beautiful voice. And I got a female singer. I got a keyboard player who could also play guitar and produce the tracks. I'm putting the group together. We're going to be huge. And we signed to Chattel Records. And the Chattel Records, the, 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 the logo for Chattel Records was two white hands in handcuffs. That basically, their whole slogan was, F Whitey, let's put them in chains. I don't think anything of it. I'm like, we're just signing a record deal to a company that's fresh out of Detroit. One of the artists said he played with Motown back in the day. He was a bass player. For, he did tracks with Smokey Robinson, Anita Baker, Marvin Gaye. He's old school. He's connected. We're so excited. Jackie Callen's going to manage us. Me and Brad are going to go downtown to Seven Mile to the studio at Chattel Records. We're going to sign our record deal. We got Tommy's boy Pepper, who's really an electrician, but also a hustler. You know what I mean? He's always got a side hustle going. And he comes down. We're all sitting around the table. Frank Lovejoy, me, Brad, the two owners of the label. One fat dude who really is like the owner-owner, but we don't really know what he does, but he doesn't say what he does. And he pulls out a pistol, and he puts a pistol on the table, and he's like, we're so excited to sign you guys, and we ain't never going to have to use this, obviously. We're just happy to have you here. So... I'm not scared. I'm like, this is just how the rap world goes. You got to have a gun in the house. So there's a gun on the table. The contracts are on the table. And this is some, I never heard, I never even heard of Suge Knight at this point. I just think this is what the world is. And I'm all in because I just want to rap. So we signed the record deal and there's no signing bonus. There's no nothing. There's just a guarantee that we're going to put a record out. Now we got to get in the studio. So we signed the deal, and I'm like, yo, Brad, is it a little weird that there's no money on the table? Is it strange that we just signed our life away? They own us, and we didn't get any money up front? No, no, this is how it goes. Don't worry about it. We'll just make a record that's so dope, and it's a hit, and then we'll just be big from there. Don't worry about the record deal. So we signed a record deal, and we're starting to do photo shoots, and we're going to get this group together. And at one of the photo shoots, one of the label heads decides... Mike, I got a great idea. What's that? We're not going to put your face on the album cover. We're just going to say TKO. We don't want them to know you're white. Ah, shit, man. All right, well, I guess you guys are the record label. You know what's going on. I, I know Third Base has got a white rapper. I know he's out there somewhere. And, you know, unbeknownst to me at the time, somebody who's going to become my best friend later in life, Jesse Itzler, He's Jesse James. He's got a video on MTV. I know there's white rappers out there. I don't think we got to be ashamed of me. He's like, nah, trust me, man. Let's just, we're for, this is Detroit shit. We need to keep you off the record label cover. So I'm off the cover, but I'm rapping. Now they put me in a studio off of um, 
right down near Six Mile. Damn, I, my boy Carlos Gunn. He's the Carlos Gunn is like the known beat maker at the time in Detroit. Even though I had never met the whole other side of that world, which was legendary Jay Dilla, the greatest beat maker, maybe one of them of all time, classic legend. I didn't even meet him. Obviously, I obviously there wasn't enough of a buzz about Young Mike that I would be introduced to that world, the Jay Dillas and the Eminems and the D12s and the you know and Royce the Five Nines and the Proofs and I wasn't in their camp. Nobody knew about me. I was in a different camp. All right, I was in a camp on Seven Mile alone with a gun pointed at me saying, "We're keeping you off the cover." So I'm still happy as can be, though, because in my mind, I'm a rock star. I'm game on. I'm in a full rap group. So me and Brad, you know, we, we get some dope samples. I write some songs. I write this song called Take Me Back. And then there's I write another song. Uh, I can't remember the name. Damn. I, I, I sampled a Biggie sample that he had used later in life. I got more Glocks and texts than you. I make it hot. Bitches won't even stand next to you. So I wrote some crazy rhyme about my girl breaking up with me and starting to date a dude who's rich because I was poor. So I, I wrote a song about that. And I wrote this song about how if I found him, I would have my boys take him out. And it was a really what I thought was a dope song and leads to later my later on rap career that really wasn't as short-lived, but I just was completely unknown. So Brad and I are down on Six Mile with Carlos, and we're making tracks. He's bringing in singers to sing on the hooks, even though we already had our singer, but he had a real dope soul singer come in. So we record our our three-song EP, and Chattel Records is going to put it out. So we record the song, and I'm starting to realize now that I'm becoming the only one who's going into the studio because the studio is in the hood, and it's across from a juvenile detention place, boys' home. And they're having a lot of problems in the neighborhood because the kids, some of the kids are like getting out and causing havoc and, and shit's going down in the neighborhood. But I don't even care. I just want to be a rapper and I want to have my record out. And I just love the studio so much. It's like my favorite place to be. So every night I'm down there till midnight, one o'clock in the morning. Brad's been sleeping for three hours at this point. Brad is a scared Super amazing DJ, by the way. If you put him against anybody right now, he's a turntable wizard. He just didn't have, he just didn't want to stay up late and really get it, go all in. And I love you, Brad. And I'm going to help you out because you're going to get on my comedy tour and be my DJ the way Russell Peters has a DJ. We're going to do something again. But in that world, you got to be all in at the studio, all hours. But I couldn't have done it without him, so I'm not mad. I just kept finding myself alone as a singular white boy in a hood studio at odd hours being quite nervous. So I'm in the studio. We record a three-song EP, four-song EP, whatever it was, and Frank, the record label's happy with it. They think we got a hit, and they, I'm back home with all my boys, my crew, and I get word that the that 97.9 is going to play our song. And they're going to play it in about a week. And I'm telling everybody, oh shit, my song's called Oh What a Night. Oh What a Night. We sampled that from Frankie Valley. We sampled Oh What a Night. And it was about a night that went crazy. Friday night and I'm about to rock. I'm packed with more surprises than Alfred Hitchcock. Tonight, tonight, everybody's going down. 
did a, did, I can't even remember all the lyrics, but it was like a, a fucking murder happens, a fight at a bar happens, somebody gets kidnapped. I mean, it was a night, a story about a crazy, crazy night, and it was, oh, what a night. And, God, I had a good, I had a good uh, verse about it being a, always hit first hit, quick hit, hard, da, 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 in the back of a scrapyard. I don't know what the hell it was. I can't remember. But, that song was going to hit the radio. So as far as I'm concerned, it's over. The dream is over. I already won the game. Young Mike, Mike Young has got a song on the radio and he could tell his friends and family, you don't know there's money in this. I don't know. I'm not thinking about money because I'm just poor mentally. I'm mentally poor at the time. I'm not thinking about money, nothing. I'm just thinking if I can get a record on the radio, I can get on tour, then I just, I already won the game. I was very zen about it. So Saturday night comes and our record's going to come out at 8 o'clock and I'm driving downtown with Lee, my best friends, Lee, Evan, and Roy, and my brother. And we're in the car. We're going down the Lodge Freeway and 8 o'clock comes around and the song's not on yet. So I call the station. I'm like, yo, where's the song Oh, What a Night by TKO? They're like, it's coming, it's coming. We head down towards Detroit. We're getting closer to the city. All of a sudden, boom, my song comes on the radio. And the sample hits and the song comes on. And we are so geeked that I pull the car over, pull the car over. We pull the car over. We start pumping up the song. We're outside of the car. We're dancing. Young Mike's got a song on the radio, TKO song on the radio. My life is about to change forever. Song on the radio. What? Song hit the radio. We start getting record reports. I guess back in the day they had like these reports that like how many spins your or how many calls. I don't know if it's how many calls that requested your song or how many spins your record got. But we were getting all these spins and we're signed to ASCAP BMI. But I don't ever remember signing anything to ASCAP BMI. But I know for sure that the record label they're signed to BMI and ASCAP. So we have a record out and it's going. It's starting to go in Cleveland and Cincinnati and it's going to play in Ohio. I heard there's a Arizona's playing the song, and all these people are playing our song. And I'm like, yeah, this is great. We're definitely going to get publishing money because publishing comes back to you every quarter and you're going to get money. And I'm like, man, we're not getting any money. What happened? And we went into the record label, and I came in a little hothead, and I was like, yo, man, what's going on? I heard we're getting all these spins, and I see the record report. And this is when, you know, this is before streaming was streaming. This is like real record shit. This is like the mob owned records, and the, you know, they had their, the shit was all twisted up, and there were radio programmers, program directors that were getting cocaine and cash to play your song, and send in the strippers and they'll have you a hit this was like those early raw days of music so i was like yo i'll do anything to get our record played again like i'll go get the drug money i got friends that are dealers i got friends that are got cash bags of cash i'll do it the way jay-z did it like that's what you know i kept hearing about how you get your record played so the song kind of fizzles out basically it fizzles out we get no money from ASCAP, no money from BMI. The record label tells us they got to recoup all their money that they spent on us. They spent $50,000 in marketing. Meanwhile, I never saw a poster, a billboard, an advertisement. I never heard our name on the radio. I never heard one single thing about a single thing about TKO ever. So basically, I went in there with Tommy Hearns' boy at some point because I realized 
I was never going to make a dime. These guys own my life and I'm going to get out of this contract. And it was not a problem. I went in with Tommy's boy. I said, this isn't working. I was home for a year, a year and change. We did a couple more live shows. We never really traveled on the road with the song. The song was out there on the radio. I never got paid. And I do a joke about it on stage where I say, yo, somebody, my DJ got so scared he had to start doing bar mitzvahs for a living. There's some truth to that because our career ended in Detroit. My rap career in Detroit was over, but I wasn't finished. Young Mike would not be deterred. I was determined to get back out there and really, really get back in the grind in L.A. and do comedy, but secretly do music. So I go back to L.A., and I'm, I'm in love with rap. I'm so in love with hip-hop. But I can't... Listen, man. All you can do is what you can do. And it's you got to have a quality team around you. you got to have a whole squad around you. So I got my comedy manager who is like, Dude, you can really rap. Like, let me try getting your rap stuff going. So I'm rapping and I'm doing comedy but the comedy world doesn't know that I rap and the rap world doesn't know that I'm doing comedy I'm living two separate lives Mike Young and Young Mike at nighttime. so somehow I get my demo tape that I left that I did in Detroit I get it into the hands of my boy Benny Glickman or no Scott Venner Scott Venner is my boy from college Scott Venner goes on to become the music supervisor of Entourage and partners with Pharrell Williams on his podcast And he's Pharrell's partner, but I went to college with Scott, and Scott loved hip-hop. He loved it. And so he thought I was dope, and he got my demo to his boy. His boy got me into the studio with DJ Quick and AMG. Now, if you know anything about hip-hop, then you know both of those names, because AMG did the song, Bitch Better Have My Money, and DJ Quick is DJ Quick. He was the Dr. Dre Jr. of the West Coast. Super crazy, talented, super amazing with the beats. Actually could play. <coughs> and they're like, yo, you're going to be our dude. So now I go from 7 Mile in Detroit to 72nd in Crenshaw. And every night I am down on 72nd in Crenshaw making a brand new demo and I'm going to be a rapper. And I'm down there and I'm in some hood shit. And I'm not kidding. There were real rappers down there. Like, these guys all knew Daz, Corrupt, Nate Dogg, you know, all the West Coast rappers. They were all in and out of this studio called Greedy Greg Studio down on Crenshaw and 72nd. So there was a house, and behind the house was the studio in a guest house. And I can't remember if that neighborhood's called South Central or if it's Compton or what it is, but it's, it's you've heard Crenshaw. You know, Nipsey Hussle, rest in peace. He he came out with the Crenshaw, you know, logo on his on his shirts and all that. And that area breeded some amazing talent. And I was down there every night till two o'clock in the morning recording my new demo. And it was another level. This was no Detroit shit. This was like with the highest level hip hop dudes you could be with. And so now I'm taking manager meetings in the rap business. Understand I'm from Detroit. I don't know anybody in the West. I don't know how that no one's mentoring me. I don't really know how the game is going. But one of my boys from the AMG DJ Quick Camp sets up a meeting for me. And I go meet this dude 
who has a who's a black gentleman who's probably 55 years old who's old gangster and he's got a cowboy hat and he's wearing a cowboy hat and I don't want to say his name because I think he's I think he went away for a while and then came out of jail and popped up on some YouTube videos and he was always great to me but I, I'm not gonna say his name I'm just gonna say that I went and had lunch with him and he's like I got a great idea man I want to manage you I'm gonna handle you my boy Tweety Tweet Tweet or Tweety Bird or Tweety Bird Loke or Bird Bird. Somebody named with Tweety Bird, somebody with that type of name was getting out of jail and he was about to do a rap album. And he's like, I'm going to put you down with Tweety Bird Loke and you're going to do a song. So I'm like, hell yeah, I'll do any song with anybody that's been in jail, that's got a reputation, that's in L.A., that can keep me rapping. Because all I wanted to do was make songs. I didn't care. I still wasn't really thinking about the money. I was just thinking about rap. I was making money because I had a job as a PA. So I was PAing on like TV shows and stuff like that and commercials. And to be honest, I was making like 250 300 a day. So I was good with the money. I was also teaching boxing. So I had like a like six or seven private clients that were paying me 60 an hour because I was charging Hollywood prices. So I had money just to live. I wasn't sweating it. Um, I wasn't, you know, I was just, I was just making rent and eating. I wasn't making money, but I was surviving. So I'm in the studio with AMG and we're becoming good friends and I'm down there with DJ quick. And, you know, you hear about the real gangster shit that's going on and it's real. It's very real in the West. And they just let me be part of their world and they just kind of liked me and adopted me and they knew that I was with them. Like if some shit went down, and there was a, I'm with, I got their back too. Like they know that I can fight. They know that I'm down. You know, Everlast was coming up at the time. That's right. I would see Everlast in the House of Pain guys. I would see them. They had a huge song out, uh, Jump Around. I'd see them at clubs. And so I would see them at nightclubs and I would like want to be around them just because I just, when you're in hip hop, you just want to tell everybody and be in the mix and, you know, you're, I was an outsider, which I've always just been. I've always been an outsider. As inside as I am with my friends and my, you know, well-connected people, I'm still just an outsider. And I still have that mentality. So I'm down there and AMG's recording a song um, called We Like to Party because I'm letting him guide my career. I'm letting AMG guide my career. Meanwhile, he did have a hit. He is super talented. But his ass would just smoke those little cheap hood cigarettes called Beaties and take forever on one song. And I was impatient. I was like the Tupac of Jews. You saw those videos of Tupac back in the day where he was like, let's just do this shit. We're, we're recording three songs today. Put the damn beat on. Spit your damn track. And let's get out of here. That was what I wanted to do. I wanted to come to the studio, rap a song, get out of there, let them do their shit. But G was moving too slow. I was getting frustrated, but I was also listening to him because he had a hit song and I didn't. And DJ Quick had already made three or four hit songs and he was, he was like the kingpin down there. And shit was going down, by the way, at the studio. One night we're on the lawn of the studio on Crenshaw and 72nd and a car starts driving by with its lights off and uh, AMG yells, drive by. And so we all jump and duck behind this giant tree, but it was just some girls that forgot to turn their lights on. But at least I know what it is to worry about a drive-by. So anyway, 
I record my demo with AMG. My manager listens to it at the time. He's like, you got to meet my boy, Andrew Shack." Now, Andrew Shack goes on to represent Snoop, represent, you know, pro, uh, Priority Records, do work. He's a lawyer. He's a hip-hop lawyer. He's deep in the game. He's got points on Snoop's records. He's got points on Daz. He's got points on Corrupt. He's like in. Like, go look up Andrew Shack. He's a badass, legendary hip-hop lawyer, rap lawyer, music lawyer, music attorney who did well. Now he's got a record label. But he's just getting his shit going. So he's driving me around. And I'm in, like, the presence of legendary dudes who end up big in the game. But my shit just doesn't click. And (coughs) I'll tell you why in a second. So... Me and Andrew Shack were driving my demo around. AMG finally finishes my song. Oh, what a no-no. Uh, no, no. We like to party. We like to party. And I can't really remember the lyrics, but they were like something about Mike, like young Mike from Motown. It's young Mike from Motown. Oh, maybe I have it on my phone. Hold on. Let me just see. Play We Like to Party. Play We Like to Party by Mike Young. Let me see if it even comes up. No, it's not even on my phone. I know it's on my phone. I'll play it for you another time. But I know it's on here. But I'm driving and I don't want to like, I don't want to crash. But let me just see something. There's a sign that says strong winds ahead. But AMG's doing my shit. And the demo's ready. I'm being driven around by Andrew Shack, a legendary dude in the game. And he's driving me around to different record labels. And I'm getting, like, some feelers. Like, dudes are, like, talking about signing me. And they're really helping me out. But I only have these two songs. And little do I know that AMG and their crew, they want to sign me to their deal. So there's, like, backdoor shit going on where nobody's really letting me get signed to anybody. But simultaneously, I'm starting to get, re- I'm starting to get recognized as a comedian. Because at nighttime... On the days I'm not at the studio, my comedy is starting to kind of blow up. And so I'm really kind of doing good. Let me see if we like to party. Oh, yeah, here it is. Okay, here's my song that AMG did. Check it out. Shaking fools off, cops at the door, tell them all to get lost. Ha. 
I got immunity, funk, originality Tell them to check the neighbors, there must be some formality We got strippers and players of all kinds B-boy blunt smoking ex-criminal minds Honey's addressed to the nines and stay fine Freaks without cold bodies, so get in line We're all chilling in the same room with the same tune Drinking brews or you're hitting the boom So tip your cup, smoke up, the revolution has arrived And let the funk get you high I wanna see Hennessy holding honeys on the floor I know you wanna play, baby, play a little more Explore the very needs of the man in front of ya Get up and get down, I'm doing each and every one of ya I mean, I mean, listen, it is what it is. I can rap. And I loved it more than anything except comedy. Rap and comedy have major similarities, believe it or not. There's lyrics, there's rhythm, there's punchlines, there's tags, there's metaphors, there's delivery, and there's musicality in both, obviously. But my point is, I was in love with hip-hop. So while I'm doing these songs and AMG and these guys are trying to get me a record deal, I'm starting to get noticed as a comedian at the comedy store. And I got to make a decision here because I'm not making any money as a rapper. And I feel like you can't just do both fully. And I got to make a decision. And so as I'm... As my time at the studio in, in Compton or South Central on Crenshaw is starting to dwindle and I got my demo and I'm not really getting any offers, even though I do shoot a music video, I'm realizing that there's more longevity for me in stand-up comedy. It's also a little bit of a, not a safer world, but it's just a more organized world where if I get a deal in comedy, I could actually get money and I could actually get, you know... A network deal and people paying attention to me in that world and I can get a TV show and do what I love. So long story, beautifully cut short, my rap career is put to the side and the next year I get the Montreal Comedy Festival as a new Faces of Comedy where I meet my crew, Tony Rock, Sam Tripoli, Sebastian, Corey Holcomb, all my boys that I just to this day are still killing it and rocking it. And I go full steam ahead into writing and stand-up comedy. And I put the music to the side. And DJ Quick obviously went on to be a legend. And he's still producing and killing it. AMG had a couple more hits and they still go on tour. And I love them and I thank them for all the time. And I love Andrew Shack who drove me around trying to get me a deal. And I still see Andrew Shack to this day because he comes up to Leo's house. And we play pickleball together and we talk about the days when he would drive me around in his Jeep and just take me to different labels. And they taught me a whole new world. And I'll never stop loving hip-hop. And I will put rap into my, into my album, into my comedy one day. And it'll happen soon. Because if you listen to George Carlin and his rants, they sound like rap. And so I'm just 
That's my that's my shortened, abridged version of my hip hop career. I still love it. Kevin Connolly, if you call me out to karaoke, you're gonna know what it is because I can't stop rapping at karaoke. And rap and hip hop and karaoke also got me beat up in another episode. And I'll tell you about that later. But this is Who the F is Mike Young? That was a story of my hip hop career. There were many other moments in it that I probably didn't get to, but who needs a two hour uh, podcast? God bless you, and we'll talk to you later. Who the F is Mike Young? Find me at the real Mike Young, <clears throat> MikeYoungComedy.com. I'll be going on tour soon. Comedy and writing. Take me back when I was a kid. Take me Never back. Never had now. to worry about oh. what I did. The one time I'm a man two. now. Check it out. Now. Gotta the get it down. Sound. No time for fun down now. now. Take me back uh. when I was a one, kid. Two. Never had to worry Take about what back. I Coming did. Coming back for you. But I'm a man now. Well,